It's one thing to hear the gospel that Jesus was angry. It's another thing to see it. I think for us, it's not an image of Jesus that we carry around with us. And when I think of Jesus, I think of him healing and being with people and feeding the hungry, not tipping over tables. In that clip from Jesus Christ Superstar, the director has put in modern images, postcards, you saw the postcards, guns, American money. And it's, and it's shocking to see that. And imagine if somebody came into this sanctuary very angry and started turning things over and upsetting what, what, we, what we would consider normal. I know I've said it here before, but anger is, according to the Orthodox, is an emotion given to us by God to protect us from evil. That anger is actually good because we need anger to protect us from things that are bad, for things that are corrupt. And there's a lot of energy that comes from anger. Think about it, when you get angry, your body gets tense, you clench your fists, and we can use that energy to protect ourselves and to, and to go out against what we know is wrong. And this is what Jesus is doing in this scene. This is in all four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke have this at the end of their Gospels, and this is a reason why Jesus was arrested and crucified, was that he went in up against the temple authorities, and he created this chaos and havoc, and that was part of the road to the cross. If you notice the Gospel today is John, this is chapter 2. Chapter 2 in the Gospel of John. John puts this story of Jesus' anger at the very beginning of his gospel. And what he's telling us is that this Jesus, who is the Son of God, that this is who Jesus is. Is that he has come and he has upset the order of how things are done. And things were very corrupt in the temple. People were coming from long distances. They had to trade their money that had the image of the emperor on it. They had to trade it for temple coins. And of course, the money changers were making a little money on that exchange. That would be like you coming in here and willingly and out of your sense of gratitude giving to the church, and we've got somebody sitting at the back table saying, well, we don't accept American cash, but you can buy St. Peter's bucks. It's okay. For every dollar of St. Peter's bucks that you buy, it's going to cost you two. So, you know, we might be making a little money there. And then the other requirement is that you had to sacrifice an animal that was perfect without blemish. Well, you couldn't travel from Nazareth to Jerusalem or Bethlehem and have an unblemished animal, so you had to buy it at the temple. So what does this say about the people who had no money? How do they get to worship God? What animal can they afford to buy? Part of this is to remind ourselves that the church can get corrupt. 
We all want to believe when we come to church that it's a place that's above other institutions in our experience. And I hope that that is true, at least in this church, that we can come here and we can feel that this is a safer environment maybe for us to express ourselves in, that we can have moments where we can transcend and feel close to God. But through history, the church has gotten off track. I mean, back in, uh, before the Reformation, priests were the only ones who had access to the Bible. The mass was said in a language no one understood. You had to pay to have your sins forgiven. They were called indulgences. So you had to pay a lot depending on what your sins were. Can you imagine if we had a price list here? <laughs> Maybe for Lent we'd give a discount. 20% off your sins. So if I coveted my neighbor's goods, maybe that's only 10 bucks in Lent instead of 15 normally. I mean, to us, that's an appalling concept. But the church had a moment in time where that's what happened. And that sometimes what we allow is our human rules to become paramount. That we have to do things right in a certain way. I have a silly example. When I was a kid, in Lent, you didn't eat meat on Fridays. You just didn't do it. My mother was a lousy cook and rotated macaroni and cheese, something she called salmon wiggle, which is indescribable, <laughs> tuna noodle casserole, and occasionally, when we got lucky, pancakes. This was Friday night dinner. But I can remember as a kid, being in school, and there was another kid at my lunch table who always brought a bologna sandwich. It was the thin, sickest-looking piece of bologna you'd ever see with nothing on the bread other than this thinly sliced bologna. I don't know if his family was poor. I don't know what it was, but that's what he ate day in and day out. And one day, I took this huge egg salad sandwich out of my bag, and it had tuna fish in it. Now, my mother could make a great egg salad. She knew how to hard boil. Anyway, so I take out this awesome looking egg salad, which is still my favorite sandwich today, and I start to take a bite, and there's this kid with the thin piece of bologna sandwich looking at me with these big cow eyes, and I just handed him my sandwich and took his, and I took a bite, and then I realized it was Friday. Now I'm going to hell. <laughs> Absolutely convinced. I'm going to hell. Lost sleep over it. Didn't want to tell anybody. I didn't want my mother to start crying that if I, you know, because I'm now going to hell. And I really thought that. And it was, and I never told anyone until I became an adult and was able, thank God, to think through this theologically. But doesn't giving a hungry person your sandwich trump eating meat on Fridays? Yes, but sometimes we get so caught up in following the rules that we forget the ultimate rule, which is love God, love your neighbor, the commandments that we heard in Exodus. In the Lord's Prayer today, I'm talking about forgive us our sins. That's what we read in the contemporary version of the Lord's Prayer. Now, what we say in our service is, forgive us our trespasses. 
This can be confusing. One day I was sitting, waiting for somebody at a restaurant for lunch, and I get a call on my cell phone. It's the kid in the army, Kyle. He's like, I got a question for you. And whenever he says that, I know it's theological. And uh, I hear all this noise in the background. I said, am I on speaker? He goes, yeah. <laughs> Five army rangers wanted to know the difference between trespasses, debts, and sins. OK. <laughs> They're arguing over which is the one you should say. And I said, well, it's interesting. The translation trespasses has to do with trespassing on people's property. It has to do with the land that that for that translation was what was most important, was about the land, trespassing on the land. We will not trespass on someone else's land, and we'll forgive them if they trespass on us. It was a way of expressing about the land, because the land was paramount. And if you read the Bible, the land's pretty paramount in the Bible. Debts, of course, are debts. Perhaps debts is the right word we should be using today. Although, I can't imagine forgiving Bernie Madoff if he took all of my life savings. I would hope that I would find the grace. But people are really suffering. So boy, pray that prayer if you've lost your life savings. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those debtors. Today, we opened up with sins. I think sins is probably the best translation because sin means turning away from God. That's what the people in the temple had done. They had turned away from God. They were more interested in their commerce. They were more interested in the, the holiness laws than they were in taking care of one another or to be able to worship God. That's what they were most concerned with. Forgive us our sins. We t all turn away from God at times. Everybody, all of us, myself included. We forget what is paramount. We forget that worshiping God is what is most important. Not collecting money, not doing things that are for ourselves. And that sometimes we need the dramatic occasion that comes like Jesus came to us today, we need someone to get mad and put us back on track. Prince went to Albany to see Governor Patterson two weeks ago, our bishop, and he called me up and he was all excited. He said, can you have lunch with me today? I said, sure, bishop. I called him, my friend canceled our lunch. I said, I gotta have lunch with Prince. And he was all excited because he went to see the governor with seven other bishops of the Episcopal Church. And they met with a man from Harlem who's on Governor Patterson's staff, who's an Episcopalian, and he said to them, I am so glad to see you here because you have lost your way. You need to be here, speaking up for those who can't speak for themselves, helping children get the education they need, getting health care for people who don't have health care, and at the very least, equal rights for farm workers who haven't had equal rights since the 30s. And they were there for that purpose. And what Prince wanted to tell me is that he wants this diocese to lead the way, that he wants this diocese to get us back on track, 
that we come here not just for ourselves, but we come here for all those who are invisible and don't have a voice. That turning back toward God is, is giving away your egg salad sandwich and not worrying about the rules. It's allowing people to be together, to, to hear the word, to know that they are loved, that Jesus reached out to the least of these. At the Bishop's Bible study, we were talking about the Old Testament and the rules and the laws and all of this, and then Prince said, you know, I really believe that Jesus' actions trump anything else. And although we all know it's not that black and white and it's not that simple, and ethical dilemmas are just what they are, ethical dilemmas, but it is loving God and loving our neighbor. And that we need to get angry when we see that we've lost our way. That in that case, anger is good. And we come knowing that our sins are forgiven through the foolishness of the cross, as we heard from St. Paul today. How crazy is that? That the Messiah who came to save us walks down the road and is, dies on a cross. A stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. But what that was about was someone who came, the Son of God, who walked to the cross, forgiving everyone of their sins along the way. All the people had turned from God except for Jesus. So we know that when we turn from God, our sins are forgiven. And in knowing that our sins are forgiven because God's always reaching out to us, turning us back around, always, always inviting us, always, then we know that our sins are forgiven. Then our response to that then is we can then forgive others. We are loved first by God. It enables us to love others. We are forgiven first by God. It enables us to forgive others.